Blog Talk Radio. It's time for the Hadit.com Radio Show. Hadit.com Radio is an in-depth look at all things VA. If you need help with the VA, log on to Hadit.com. Now, here's your host, Gerald Cook. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, on this fourth day of October 2018. Hope everyone's getting ready for Christmas and Thanksgiving. Not too far down the road. We're here today with our co-host, Jay Basser, and uh, today our guest speaker is John Dorley. We call him the Junkyard Dog. And uh, <laughs> I've not heard that until now. <laughs> well, we keep it a secret, John. We, we talk behind your back. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. But uh, uh, anyway, we're going to be discussing a few things. Uh, whatever we think we, you know, uh, that might be helpful to veterans out there, especially if they're involved in the claim system or or whatever. Uh, if you have a question or comment, feel free to call in. Our call-in number is 347-237-4819. Now, that call-in number, once again, is 347-237-4819. And uh, after the lady talks, hit number one, and I'll put you in the queue with us. So, uh, John Dorley, how are you doing today? I'm good, guys. As usual, it's nice to talk to you and, and lend any advice or or, uh, or anything I can provide to any listeners out there that like to call in and talk about their cases. I'm happy to do it. But uh, yeah, we're just uh, we're just tooling along, trying to trying to work claims, and you know, up here in Minnesota, we're batting down the hatches for another winter. So, uh, um, what's on your guys' mind? Is anything interesting you want to talk about or dive into? We can talk about pension, the new laws of pension. We can talk about ramps some more. What do you guys want to do? Uh, how about this new pension thing they've come up with? Uh, I could see some uh, veterans out there uh, possibly being in jeopardy. I don't know. Uh, and uh, they may not be aware that this thing's coming down the road, but Sounds like it is, and uh, uh, you want to explain a little bit about that? Yeah, I, I can do my best, Gerald. And and you know, you and I talked about this a little bit before, a couple of days ago. Um, in in a, in a previous life, I worked as a, a veteran service officer for the government, and it was, it was our job to to know everything about every benefit the VA had. Uh, Primarily, I'm, I'm a disability compensation accredited fields agent now, so I primarily concentrate with disability compensation. But, but I haven't forgot about the pension. Uh, VA has a program called uh, pension. Uh, it, it's easily, in my opinion, the most complicated, convoluted program the Veterans Administration has. It's it's uh, it's not the easiest program to navigate. It's it's a program that's based on need. Uh, you have to meet certain financial and asset criteria. Uh, it also takes into account ongoing medical expenses, uh, level of care, housebound aid and attendance. So that, that scratches the surface a little bit on how complicated pension can be. And, and, and Gerald, as you and I talked about, and I was reading up on this a little bit, it looks like a law uh, was implemented. Uh, it's going to be implemented, actually, October, uh, October 18th of this year where they're going to take a, a much harder look at liquid assets uh, with pensioners and, and who's applying and, and how you go about uh, uh, including assets, including liquid assets and what you don't include and those types of things. Uh, in the day, uh, when I was taking pension claims, uh, we, I always knew that the Veterans Administration looked at assets. What was unique, though, is there was never a look-back period with assets, much like there is with medical assistance, for example. Uh, with medical assistance, I, I believe there's about a three- to five-year look-back period. And when I say look-back period, that's basically 
transferring of assets into family members' names. And so that's, that looks to be the new law with the VA. The old law was that you could transfer assets into uh, a loved one's name right up to the day before that you file for pension with the VA, and you cannot be denied based on excessive assets. Now it looks like the VA is going to have a look-back period. I believe it's a, a three-year look-back yes, period. Yes, three so, years. Yeah, so what that's going to prevent applicants from doing is is uh, uh, diverting those liquid assets out of their name. If it's if it's less than three years, from my understanding, the VA is going to look at that and, and they, they will impose a, a penalty window, so to speak. And I've heard... I've heard it's a 10-year penalty window or a phase-in penalty window. So it's, it, I think there's, there's some things that need to be worked out first with the VA, but uh, the bottom line is, is that pension has always been meant to be a, a need-type program, and there's a lot of uh, veterans and, and, and widows of, pen, uh, of veterans, too, that are eligible for what's called widow's pension. Um, there's a lot of people out there that uh, benefit from that and they legitimately financially meet those criteria. But for those veterans and or widows that are applying for that, uh, taking their $500,000 in assets and putting them in their kids' names, uh, that's not going to fly anymore if it was uh, within the past three years. Yeah, that's going to, uh, you know... And I wonder, like, suppose you've been on a pension for seven years. Then if they go back, can go back three more years, is is that the way you understood that to mean? They can go back three more years? Uh, you know, what I read was about 30 pages, and I, and I tried to gloss over the more important parts of the law, and I haven't seen anything really clear cut on how it's playing out. Um, my best guess is that uh, the VA would not impose a penalty on people that are currently getting pension. Um, oh, I see. Okay. I, would, I would assume they would be grandfathered in. I, you know, don't, te- don't quote me on that, but I would assume if you're already on pension, you're going to be grandfathered in. And really the law, as I saw it, it takes effect October 18th of this year. So the people that are on it and the people that applied before that date, they're under the old law. Um, and, and when the law changes, the, the standing uh, policy with the VA is that you're under the law that you uh, apply into, for, for lack of a better way to say it. So anybody that's on pension now, in my opinion, and we'll wait for the regulations to get written in stone, but in my opinion, anybody on on VA pension now will be grandfathered in. Uh, anyone that applies from October 18th of this year on will be subject to the new law uh, where there will looks like there will be a three-year look-back period on the transfer of liquid assets. Yeah, and they're including trust in that. Uh, people need to be aware of that. Uh, so, yeah, if, well, uh, pay there's attention a lot of ways what you're you doing. There's a lot of ways, and, and I'm not a financial uh, expert here, but from, from what I picked up along the way, um, there's a lot of ways to transfer your liquid assets into different things. And bottom line is, is a transfer is a transfer is a transfer. It's still a liquid asset uh, being transferred into another uh, asset. Uh, now, whether you transfer it into an asset that's not liquid really is is a moot point. The fact is, is it was liquid when you transferred it under the, the new law. Um, so I think what the VA is trying to do is is uh, uh, stick to the old edict that pension is a need-type program. It's not meant to be uh, circumvented with the transfer of liquid assets. It, it's specifically set up for uh, people that legitimately need, need the money. That's true. That is true. And, uh, and you know, my personal feelings, I feel like that's the way it should be. Uh, the ones that are, and I know veterans that, that are on that, and it's because, you know, they have no assets. <laughs> yep. I mean, uh, 
without that pension, they would just literally be living on the street. And that pension's not that great anyway. What is it, about $800 a month or so? Well, yeah, there, there's three levels of pension. And, again, I'm, I'm picking the cobwebs out of my memory because uh, I haven't tackled pension for quite some time. Uh, but uh, there's three levels of pension. There's, there's your basic pension for for veterans who who are not in need of uh, aid and attendance or, or who are not housebound, meaning confined to their their domicile or their or their immediate presence around their domicile. But uh, so there are three levels. Your basic is, uh, and I'm guesstimating here. I'm I'm thinking like maybe a thousand, eleven hundred a month, somewhere around there. Then if you're in need of uh, if you're housebound you're entitled to a higher level of pension. And then if you're in need of aid and attendance, uh, then you're entitled to an even higher level of pension. Now, of course, any income that you get, Social Security or or civil pension from your employment or interest earned off assets is is offset dollar for dollar against that monthly amount you get. But then this all gets complicated because because then you can offset that with out-of-pocket medical expenses you pay to to, to increase that pension. So it, it's a it's a complicated uh, program, and unless you deal with it all the time, um, it, it, it's very difficult to navigate. Yeah, it sure is. Okay, that that sounded interesting. Now, so, yeah, Gerald, you're you're right. I don't know what to think about it. I, you know, on one hand, it's it's a program uh, that benefits veterans, uh, poor and not so poor alike. Um, and if if you have enough of a, of a of a mind to, you can certainly circumvent the pension and transfer your liquid assets. I don't think that's what the program was meant to do, but it it does allow uh, uh, wealthy, what I would consider wealthy veterans, to transfer their liquid assets into their kids' names and not have it count against them and, and be able to get a monthly payment. Um, it's a bit hard to swallow for me, uh, but, but on the other hand, um, it is a benefit that, that I, I would never advocate uh, reducing a benefit for a veteran, even if it is pension. But, uh, you know, if, if, if we're going to have to reduce something, uh, I'd rather see them do something like that uh, than go after VA compensation or or uh, education or home loan or something like that. Um, let me interject on this. This actually came down from uh, the Congressional CBO Congressional Budget Office, and uh, the person that thought this idea up is the same person that uh, attempted to take away the uh, Veterans IU in the budget last year. Mm-hmm. Of course, that was yep. canceled, you know, at 10. So yep. uh need to keep an eye on this guy because he's got a lot of crazy ideas. I mean, you know, he's a penny pincher, yep. and that's what, that's what he's doing. You know, he doesn't look at no – he doesn't look at the person. He, he's looking at the money. So that's, uh, that's something everybody needs to look at, you know. I, 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 he needs to go, tell you the truth, and uh, hopefully they uh, will. So. Yeah, and, I, and I'm familiar with, with what you're talking about, John, and, and this, yeah. this particular individual is – his his task, as I understand it anyway, is to look at ideas of saving the Veterans Administration money. Um, yeah, always. The, ma- the majority of his ideas don't get passed. I know he tried to go after sleep apnea. Uh, he tried to go after yeah, yeah. Uh, unemployability. That never went through. Uh, yeah. But on the other hand, again, it if the veterans have to take a hit, and I'm not advocating we take a hit in any form or fashion, but, but if we have to take a hit, um, I think this might be one we should be flexible on, uh, the, the, the look-back period on, on liquid assets. Uh, Medicare, mm-hmm. excuse me, Medicaid has done it, medical assistance has done it for as long as I can remember. I think medical assistance well, you know, has a, a five-year look-back, if I remember right. You know what they're doing, don't you? You know, if you appear on Medicaid, and uh, say, for example, uh, you get put into an extended living facility, you know, like if you're on a pension or if you're just on Social Security, you know, and, you, and you're getting, uh, you know, Medicaid benefits or something like that. And what happens is if you have any property, Medicaid is going to take it. Yeah. That's what you, they're doing. If you don't, if you don't yeah. live in the property. Um, yeah. I, and, I, and I'm not an expert on Medicaid rules, but 
but if you live in the property, then then it's exempt. You're not they're not going to tell you you have to move, uh, even if there's even if there's liquid uh, money in that home home. But if they move yeah. out, let's say they move into a nursing home, and Medicaid is yeah, covering the nursing home cost, that they got this home sitting there. Yeah, Medicaid is going to say, yeah, you got to sell it. They're so. going to take that house. Yeah, well, they don't keep the assets. They'll expect it to have it sold, and, and any assets out of it will be applied towards their monthly uh, uh, nursing yeah. home bill. Yeah, that's a that's a crop. Yeah. It's true. That's a crop. You know, people work hard for the houses and things like that. You know, they try to have a house to have something. And if they get disabled and have to go into a nursing home, then uh, and if they're on Medicaid, they have to. You know, of course, you know it's. I'm sure that you know that it's not very. You know, there's probably not a. Not too many people on a disability like that that's going to own a house or own a, right. a big house, you know. They're not busy. So, but still, it's not. Principle, it's not very, you know, it sucks. And, well, uh, it, but, what you, you know, do, what you do, John, is you get that house transferred into your kid's name or someone else's name uh, yeah. outside of that look-back period. But I know it's hard to tell the future. That's got to be done before. Uh, that's got to be done before October, before the whatever, the 16th or whatever. Because they'll go back and do well, it. Talk, you transfer it to. I think you're talking, talking about Medicaid, but yeah, with, with the pension, yeah, if, if you ha- if the writing's on the wall that you're going to be heading into a nursing home anytime soon, I know it's that's hard to tell, but but uh, as a safeguard, if if you trust your parent or if you trust your kids and and you feel comfortable getting that home in their name or any liquid assets mm-hmm. in their name, uh, do it because because there is going to be a look back period with VA pension. And medical assistance, I believe that look back is is five years. So, so that that's one way to get around it is is is, is getting that money transferred uh, outside of that look back period. Well, I can tell you something else then too. This, 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 you don't have to be a veteran or not. If you're uh, if you're say you're retired or disabled on Medicare, and uh, say you're driving down the road, and say if you're going to church on Sunday, you stop at a red light and. Some dude hits you in the back end and wipes your car out and puts you in the hospital, and you get a settlement out of the deal. If Medicare pays one bill of that accident, you know, Medi- said the hospital, you Medi- know, hospitals will bill them anyway. Yeah, they come after you. They'll come after the person trying to get that money back, and they'll they'll want to talk about if they're on Medicaid. You had mentioned Medicare. Do you mean Medicare? Medicaid no, Medicare. 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 Yeah, so if you have an accident, do not let Medicare pay one dime of your hospital bill. If they pay one dime okay. of your hospital bill, you're in trouble because they're going to come after you. And then say if you get a little settled out of the deal, and the next thing you know, the, they jump in there and they intercept that money before it gets to you, and they're running down the goal line giving it to giving it to the Congressional Budget Office or back in the Social Security's pocket, so your Medicare's pocket. Mm-hmm. That's Medicare new. party and the... If I remember yeah, right, con- Medicare Part A and B. Yeah. They will contact you. They have seven years to take it from the day. Seven years? Seven years. Ooh. That's the statute of limitations on it. So. And you have you're to go through who's talking you about know, benefits that I. You're talking about something I'm not familiar with. Uh, I mean, I'm so, aware of Medicare. Yeah. You're talking Medicare, not yeah. Medicaid. Medicaid is the I'm talking is what Medicare. Call welfare. No, I'm talking. I don't, Medicare. I'm not familiar with Medicaid. Yep. Part A and Part B. Yep. No, still, yeah. but most veterans that I know that 100 percent are also they also have Medicare. They also, you know, they get the Social Security disability. So okay. that's that that affects them that way. You know. So okay. if you have an yeah, out, don't let Medicare pay a dime. That's something to remember. I would say the VA would probably come after too. I think Part A covers the hospital, Part B covers the outpatient. Right. Is that how it works? Okay. Right. I think Part Part A is free, and then Part B is what you pay monthly. Is that right? Yeah, Part B. It's fixing to go up. You don't see that? Yeah. 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 So. You little three percent raise you're gonna get is gonna be gone. Biggest question I always got, guys, is is uh when I was in that in that business with the uh, you know the VA medical center, they had uh, uh they always had the question like 
do I need to carry a, a supplement to my Medicare uh, because I've got the VA Medical Center? And, of course, I never could make that decision for them, but I was trying to explain to them that uh, uh, you know, if you incur a debt outside of the VA Medical Center, uh, and this is what I knew the rules to be back then, but if you incur a debt outside the VA Medical Center and you have Medicare, cover 80%, but then you're on the hook for the, the, the gap, the 20%. So I explained to them, uh, you know, you, you're probably going to want a supplement on that because uh, the VA Medical Center is not always guaranteed to cover that. got to be an emergency yeah. type thing, and, and you got to get transferred from the hospital to the VA at a certain time period, so it gets sticky. So I tell people, you know, if you can afford the supplement to your Medicare, go ahead and do it. Otherwise, you know, it gets a little bit risky. Uh, I I use that uh, USAA as my gap insurance, and I've been in the hospital a lot and haven't had to pay one cent. Uh, So uh, now the hospital has tried to bill the VA, but the VA Mm -hmm. under the choice program, but the VA always denies it. Every time. Yeah, but, but Gerald, your whole outlook's changed since you got 50%, buddy. So if you go well, to the hospital, I had 60%. For I think I had 60% when I was there mm. in there last. The, uh, the, the, they lost, the VA lost a lawsuit, federal lawsuit last year, too, that uh, this guy, he had a, he surfed next for heart disease and he had a major heart attack and he went in they took them to the nearest hospital because the ambulance has to take you to the nearest hospital. They can't take the VA. they got to go to the nearest hospital. And they took yeah. him in, and they worked on him, and they did the heart cath, and they fixed him up and stuff, you know. And he went home, and they started sending him in a bill for the 20% because he had Medicare. Well, he told the VA they need to pay that, and the VA says, no, we're not going to pay it. So he sued them and won. So now the VA's got to back up, and him and other veterans like that that are, you know, that, uh, or 50% higher uh-huh. that's had service neck condition. They're having to back up and reimburse the veteran for that for that 20% they had to pay or pay the 20%. Well, they kind of if you're that enrolled in that's the what VA, happened. Yeah. If you're enrolled in the VA medical center and, and you have an yeah. emergency and they take you to a private facility, um, mm-hmm. and as long as you transfer to the VA medical center, once you're stabilized, they are obligated to pick up that, that care outside the yeah. VA medical center. All right, so that's the federal judge ruled against the VA on that, and we had to pay all of them. Yeah, that that's uh, so that's, that's they did it right setting. then. Uh, yeah, big time. Yeah, press the setting. I'm not so. sure why. Of course, they're going to sue because they wouldn't pay it. He got he got he got he got mad and sued them. Okay, that's he I don't know what. And uh, it's a class well, action. That's pretty. Yeah, that's pretty hefty. You know, cases yeah. like that are pressing setting, so. Of course, I haven't seen any, any changes, you know, from the VA on that state what they have to do, you know, because I guess it kind of embarrassed them into paying it, but they had to pay it. So. That's the main reason I use the VA Medical Center, and, and I, I, I don't mind the care there. I, I get decent care, but the main the main reason you I use the VA you don't Medical pay Center. You're over, are you, you're over 50%, John. Are you over 50%? Yeah, yeah. So you're, you're in group one. You don't have to worry about it. You're gonna scope, you, don't have, you, have, you don't have any co-pays. Right, but the point I'm making is that if I incur an emergency, uh, mm-hmm. unless I keep in contact, unless I go in for a, a pat-down physical a couple times a year, unless I maintain contact at the VA Medical Center, I'm on the hook for any emergent care. So that's the main reason I go in and go out. I'm in, I'm in pretty good health, so I just go in there to get mm-hmm. checked out every once in a while. So that if I have an emergency, I'll go to the VA Medical Center. They'll cover it. Uh, as long as I get stabilized. Yeah, you've got uh, so many. Center. You have you have so many hours to notify the VA, regardless yep. of what day it is. And if you're uh, if it's on a weekend or something like that, you need to call the uh, what do you call it the uh, the duty officer yep. at the VA, yep. and you're supposed to inform them. So that happens. Even ambulance rides and things like that, you know, that's covered. And it's called I think it's called the AOD, yeah, active administrator on yep. duty. So, yeah. I mean, I've seen them pay, yeah. and I've seen them refuse to pay. I know Carly got up there in St. Louis once for a meeting, and she she had an issue, and, and she had she had she she had to jump through hoops to get the VA to pay it. Remember that, Gerald? Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. She went up to see yeah, so. T Bird, didn't? She? Yeah, sure did. Sure. 
So, but it's just the way it is. I mean, it's they act like it's their money. I don't know what's going on with it, but. So fortunately, I've got my cell phone to worry about. I've got good enough insurance inside or outside. I can I, I can choose. Yeah, you got you got you're retired, aren't you, Navy? Uh, yeah, my wife is a retired federal employee, so I got the federal Blue Cross. Yeah, I thought you were retired Navy good as well. You got yeah. Tricare, John? No, I don't. I, I I opted out of it. I don't need it. Oh, okay. All right, that makes yeah. sense. No, you can opt out. I'd like to opt out of Medicare Part B if I could. I would. But here's why the good for you, John. You hang, huh? Well, why can't you opt a, out of Medicare? You can. Because it's primary for me right now, and it's, it's it, it'd be a headache. But let me give you a little bit of advice. Yeah. Um, if you have vets, and say you somebody files a claim in the appeal process, and you win, and you win a claim for them, they get a hundred percent. That entitles them to champ VA for their families, their wives, and things like that. If their yep, wife is eligible kids. for Medicare, if their wife is eligible for Medicare, then they have to take Medicare Part B in order to keep the champ VA because they'll pull champ VA if they don't. I believe that to be true. Yep, it is true. Yep, it is. I true. believe it. And yep. uh, my wife, she was fixing to lose hers. I guess I don't know what's going to happen with it when she gets her Medicare. You know, should be and that, that kind of goes back to it. And that kind of goes back to what I was saying before. Um, well, for 20 years, I worked as a senior level vets rep um, in, yeah. in the county here in Minnesota. And it's, like I said, it was our job to know everything about every VA benefit. So uh, I'm a little bit lacking on on some of those things. I just don't do it every day like I used to. Now, disability compensation is my is, is my so-called claim to fame, but. Now that I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking about the laws, rules, and regulations of uh, Chan VA, and, and so that, that keyed my memory. And so uh, you definitely make a good point there, and I would agree that uh, um, if, if, if you are eligible for Medicare Part B, Chan VA does require you to, to uh, take that. What's kind of nice about Chan VA is it's on the subject, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Chan VA... Uh, is designed and they mandate that they be a supplement to any other private health insurance you have, but you're not mm-hmm. required to keep that private health insurance. You're like the USA that you have, Gerald. You're not required to keep that. You could use Champ VA as as a, a supplement to your your Medicare if you want. Uh, but uh, um, that's just another little thing that I remember that a lot of my clients would say, "Well, I don't need the Medica or." or the Blue Cross Blue Shield anymore mm-hmm. is charging me $300 a month because I've got CHAMP VA that's going to be a supplement to my Medicare Part A and B, and so they, they've done that mm-hmm. too. Yep. Yep. But remember CHAMP VA itself. CHAMP VA was uh, brought into effect by executive order. Did you know that? I did not. And guess whose budget it comes out of? President's. The president's budget. Yes, it does. Yeah. All right. All right. Yep. That's pretty cool. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm learning all kinds our... of things about Champ VA. <laughs> I've, been, I've been dug That's in the Champ VA brain for a long time. That's old, uh, our, our, our buddy uh, Ronald Reagan put that in effect. Oh, yeah. And so it did. So he put that. Uh, that was a, uh, you know, they take care of service members when they should. I mean, the VA does a good job when they can. Of course, there's a lot of confusion, you know, things like that. That's the reason we have good people like you doing the appeals and stuff because the system's not perfect, John. If it's perfect, they wouldn't have no need for no service organizations. But it's not perfect at all, and never will be. <laughs> I tell, I tell John, I tell people that. I think I've told you that too. Is is uh, there's so much work out there for guys like me, yeah. agents and attorneys, because if the VA was perfect, yeah. we wouldn't have a job. Um, that's right. But, you know, I've said this before. I think they do the best. The majority do the best they can. But, but mm-hmm. uh, there's a contingent out there that just uh, I think kind of ruins it for everyone as far as quality of work. Um, I'm continuing, yeah, that one continuing place. to file. <laughs> Sorry. It place about 90 miles from me is the best I've seen. Screwing up your claims. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm talking about too. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Well, some VA regional offices are better than others, uh, and I've I've gone on record telling the public out there what VA regional offices that I don't think are worth a damn. Louisville's mm-hmm. one of them. St. Petersburg's one yeah. of them. Phoenix Phoenix right. is probably the worst out there as far as adjudicate, mm-hmm. adjudicating claims. I mean, those, Winston-Salem's no... Um, Louisville has improved Winston- 60% since the 1990s. Improved 60% in what area? Yeah, since... since and everything since the 1990s. So if they're this bad now and they've improved 6%, how bad were they back in the 1990s when a certain Imagine. person was running yeah. the show? Yeah. yeah, good point. Yeah, I wonder how that, you yeah. know, it makes you wonder how bad they were back then. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, it's sad. I, I, I hate to pick at VA regional offices because I'll, I'll, I'll pop off the ones that I think are good. But uh, I think, the, you know, as far as timeliness of claims, Customer satisfaction, adjudication of claims, quality of claims, reviews. Phoenix is awful. I mean, that, that mm-hmm. regional office is just awful. And, and a close second is, is probably Louisville. And then you got St. Pete. Yep. St. Pete's coming around a little bit better. Yep. Uh, Winston-Salem, mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on in North Carolina, to be honest with you. It's crazy. But then you've got some good regional offices. Um, I'll take my home state, St. Paul. I think a large, large part of that is because they know me out there, but uh, I think they do good work at St. Paul. I think they do good work in Milwaukee. Um, I think they do decent work in, in California, of all places. Los Angeles and San Diego are coming around really well. So um, Seattle's pretty shaky, but Atlanta, yeah, they're kind of shaky too. But, but uh, yeah, they do the best they can. I like to see them establish a rating system for those, like you know, like your VA hospitals. They've got so many, you know, you've got different, you got five star VAs and three star and two stars. I think the regional office needs yeah. the same type of rating schedule as far they they need the same type of grading. Oh, that's a good you point. Know, and everybody I just strive to be the five, you know. It's, hey, my my VA here, that's the best VA. It's the best VA in the country, man. It's a five star VA. I've never had an issue with them. You, you might know, have read the same article. Yeah, um, I was reading an article about uh, ranking uh, the VA medical centers throughout the country on one star to five stars, mm-hmm. and I'm sure it's the same article. I thought about bringing it up, bringing it up in the radio show, but but, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I was happy to see that the St. Cloud, Minnesota VA medical center, which had taken a lot of hits over the years, is now a five star VA medical center. I think right. you know, they should be proud of that. Um, Minneapolis yeah. is a four star, but uh, mm-hmm. I remember some one stars. There's some one stars down south. There's one in, in Georgia. There's one in, in Louisiana. One star is the worst, by the way. In El Paso, I saw was yep. one star, but uh, there wasn't. Uh, <laughs> there's about ten one stars and about ten five stars. I saw. You've been to El Paso? Yeah, I was, I was actually stationed there in the Army at Fort Bliss. So the wind's blowing out of the south. What happened? When the wind's blowing out of the south from Mexico up <laughs> there. Yeah. In the Texas? Yeah, I'm serious. Yeah, it goes out of the south. You know, they got open sewage pits across the border, and it stinks. <laughs> I'm not touching that. I, I tell you what, though, we used to like to go over the border into Juarez when Juarez was safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'd party. Did you ever go to bullfights? Did you ever go no. to bullfights? No, yeah. I never did. No, but. Yeah. Uh, now they say Juarez is the most over. dangerous city in the world, so we don't. I know. Yeah, I can't even imagine going there. Yeah, you remember back when they found out when all them girls went up dead? Back yeah, years ago? Yeah, I mean, people are ending up. Yeah, they found them know. in that field, buried yeah. in that field. One of our factories is right next door to it, and they closed it. Yeah. It's yeah, awful. Yeah. It's, it's, it's horrible. Juarez has really gone downhill. And like I said, we used to yeah. we used to walk over the bridge, El Paso and Juarez, and enjoy the nightlife and walk back, and we never felt unsafe. But uh, from what I understand did you, now. Did, did, you, did, you, did you ever ride out to Fabens? Do what? Did you, did you ever make the ride out to Fabens? Ride out the statements? It's about, no, Fabens. Fabens. It's a little town about 30 miles outside of El Paso, out to the east, down 10. Uh, are you talking about uh, into Indian Cliff? Or in, no, I'm talking about Indian. the Cattleman's Restaurant, Indian Cliff Ranch. 
where they filmed all the movies at. Oh, uh, not familiar. I mean, we used to go to White Sands, Las Cruces quite a bit. Uh, uh, obviously, in the war. Did you ever go to State Line? As far as I ever got. Yeah. No. Just into Las Cruces, the New Mexico, Texas border, yeah. Yeah. That's the best place in the world to eat, man, cattlemen. That's probably the best steak I've ever had in my life. Of course, I, won't eat, I can't eat a full one now, but I'd like to go back in one of these days. Absolutely. That and steak line is pretty good barbecue, so that's good, though. You know, I uh, one thing I can talk about, and, and I've talked about this on our previous shows, is an update on on the Rapid Appeals Modernization Program, which uh, I, I have to assume most veterans out there are, are aware of it now, especially veterans mm-hmm. that uh, have appeals pending. Um, I uh, it's good and bad. I mean, with the RAMP program, you're going to get decision much sooner as compared to the old legacy appeals process which takes three to four years to get a decision uh to me these decisions are are, are coming out they're all over the board um i mean you get decisions that aren't any better than if they were decided by by uh any other regional office without the ramp program i mean it just you shake your head at, at some of these decisions that are coming out it's still a good thing though because you're into that ramp program. You get a you get more swings as a plate. Uh, you have the option of, of having decision review officers look at it. You have the option of a hearing if you want. So there's a lot of options with ramp. But uh, um, as far as any decisions that are better than what they had been before, um, I, they're not they're not any better. In fact, in some cases, they're worse. I, I can pretty much identify. Uh, there's 10 VA regional offices that are considered ramp regional offices. All they do is is ramp appeals, and and I like to look at. We never know what regional office is going to be assigned. So I could file a ramp uh, appeal for a guy in Kentucky, and and Seattle might be the regional office that's looking at it. So we kind of roll the dice with ramp. Uh, but there's there's a few ramp regional offices that uh, I just cringe when I think, oh my God, not that one. I mean, uh, St. Petersburg and Phoenix are both ramp regional offices, and, and I wouldn't want my claim going there. But then there's other regional offices like St. Paul's a ramp, uh, San Diego is, Atlanta, uh, Seattle, so they're okay. St. Paul is. I've already said that I like them, but. Um, so it's kind of a luck of the draw with these ramp claims uh, on what regional office you're going to get. Some of these, like I said, some of these regional offices, you don't know what what you're going to get. I mean, just very very poor decisions. And then you get some other regional offices that, I mean, they just nail it and they do everything they're supposed to do and more when it comes to these appeals. So there's just got to be some more consistency, I think, with with these ramp claims. Um, one of the things, guys, is, is what I see in ha- happening in, in probably a year or two is because these ramp decisions continue to be as poor as they are, uh, you're going to get the same type of backlog with these higher-level ramp appeals that you had at the Board of Veterans Appeals, uh, unless they mm-hmm. start making Thanks decisions that. That, are, that, are, that are proper. And, and, and I'm not saying I have to win every claim. If you're going to deny me, deny it correctly. Now, if you're going to deny my client, deny it correctly. And, and I'll say, okay, you tip your hat and say, yeah, you're right. Um, but, but on the other hand, the majority of these, these ramp decisions that are coming out and I'm continuing to appeal on, uh, they're just poor decisions. They're not in keeping with mm-hmm. 38 CFR. Uh, I mean, they're just not following the, the rules and regulations as far as I'm concerned. So what that's creating is, is guys like myself uh, attorneys and agents that are continuing the appeals process, and that's just going to create a, uh, another large backlog that you had at the Board it's of Veterans co- Appeals. Uh, be yeah, well, the Board of Veterans Appeals recently was proud to say that they've eliminated you know, a certain percentage or cut down a certain number of cases off their off their backlog. Well, that stands to reason because ramp has taken a lot of that off your plate, so you're you're not you're not crowing about anything really, really good because of the fact that that's because ramp has taken a lot of it off your plate. It's not that you're doing better work or more work. It's just that 
again, ramp has taken a lot of those appeals off your plate. That's why your your backlog is a lot lower. Um, mm-hmm. well. <laughs> it's going to go up again. It's going to go up again because I'm appealing ahead yep. of some of these things right back to the BVA, and I don't I don't appeal just to appeal. I mean, I uh, it, at the end of the day, it's always up to the client. They want to appeal something that I know doesn't stand a chance of hell. Uh, I'll still do it for them, but. Uh, uh, the majority of claims that I send to the Board of Veterans Appeals, they have merit. And so um, I think that's what you're going to get is, is eventually the ramp is going to start out as a good idea, but it, it's going to catch up to them unless these ramp regional offices start making the right decisions. You know, I look at the VA claims agent or, or, or any representative, you know, I, I look at their stature and I look at their, you know, their measurement of how good they are by one item. And that is the claims agent's ability to tell the veteran the truth. You know, I mean, if yeah. the veteran doesn't have a, you know, a snowball's chance in Hades to win a claim like that, you know, if the agent will tell him, you know, straight up, because he sees, you know, he knows, he, he knows the claim just as well as the veteran does, because he's seen it. You know, and he can tell the veteran, hey, man, I'm sorry, but I don't think you've got a chance at this. You know, that's that, that's yeah. a big thing, you know, tell the veteran the truth. I mean, a lot of these guys go ahead and say, Pill, those fall appeals, fall the pill, you know, not looking at it, you know, and that's just that actually causes a lot of trouble in itself, you know, with backlog because there's there's no merit to it. Yep. And I hate to yep. say it, that, and it's it, sad, and it's not, you know, but it's true. Well, it, it delays uh, the legitimate claims uh, because if yeah. you've got, uh, and I'm not saying the veterans, you know, appealing something just to appeal it because unless they have an advocate. Uh, that knows what they're doing to advise them, they may think they have a legitimate claim, but when you dive into mm-hmm. these claims closer, you, you realize that um, they really don't have much of a claim. But uh, right. you're right, John. I you know, I tell these guys and gals up front, I say, you know, at the end of the day, we're going to do what you want to do, but this is how I see it. Um, yep, and, exactly. and if you want a legitimate chance to win this type of claim, you need to get me A, B, C, and D, we need to go about it a certain way. We can do a hearing. We cannot do a hearing. If we ask for a hearing at the Board of Veterans Appeals, we can we can bring evidence right up to the day of the hearing. Uh, so we, so we can you know we can take advantage of that. But 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 I I'll tell them I got to be honest with you. If we go in what we have now, uh, you have probably about a half of a one percent chance of winning this, in my opinion. Um, and, and the majority of the veterans, they appreciate my honesty, and they follow my lead because because that's why they that's why they retain me because because you know they like to think that I know what I'm doing. So, obviously, you know what you're doing because you're still in business and you're prospering. So that's not that's that, that's that's not really an issue there, buddy. <laughs> it's, it's, you know what? It's a fun job, and, and John, I've gotten on you a few times. I thought, you know, and you've kicked it around a little bit. Uh, you, you need to mm-hmm. get uh, you need to get accredited. You know, and even if you don't yeah. do anything, if you take it slow, mm-hmm. at least you're accredited, and it's it's a process and it takes time. But yep. you, know, you might want to do that because I'm telling you, man, the work is out there. It is out there for people yeah. who want to bust their tail and, and do it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just basically it's all in presentation, you know. Once you get it and you look at the claim and the way you present it, you know, you present it in a way that the VA can't deny it. That's 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 the best way you can do it. So, but it, you know, it's easier said than done, though, you know, because you've you're dealing with so many different, uh, you know, different parameters of the VA. Because you know, you might have one regional office where you know where it's pretty receptive and things like that, and you can get through it pretty good. And you're going to have other regional office where, you know, their their biggest issue is to deny regardless. So. That's a you know, that's sad, but that's the way it is. And, uh, and you well, can't even... one of the issues we main issues we have is every regional office seems to treat you differently. There's nothing uniform, uh, mm-hmm. and, and that that really makes it tough. Mm-hmm. I, I've been in plenty of arguments with them over 38 CFR, and they say, that's not my interpretation. 
they they seem to have the right to interpret those 38 CFRs the way they see fit. And and that really generates an issue with me. Well, it's a, it's yes, a judgment call on their part. As, as decision review officers and adjudicators, their their job, and they would this is how they they portray it. Is their job is to interpret the CFR as they believe it to be. Um, but I've always said at the end of the day, and unfortunately, it takes a long time to get to that point. Um, but but I give the Board of Veterans Appeals a lot of kudos. I mean, they don't always make the right decision. That's why we have the Court of Veterans Appeals. But for the most part, I, I've gotten the Board of Veterans Appeals or administrative law judges. They know their stuff. And, and if you mm-hmm. have a case, to me, 99 times out of 100, you, if you have a case, the Board of Veterans Appeals is going to pick up on it. But now, again, the Board of Veterans right. Appeals... I've appealed above them, too. I've appealed to the Court of Veterans Appeals and won. So that, in effect, says the board didn't make the right decision. So they're not perfect. But, uh, yeah, if you have to go to the board, the Board of Veterans Appeals stand a much better chance at uh, getting a decision favorably as compared to uh, right. particular regional offices. Right. One thing I'd like to see better to BVA, though, John, if you go through and, you know, it's always been a pet peeve of mine. When a claim goes to BVA, and they know that the claim's got some merit, you know, instead of awarding the claim, they issue remands. And uh, I think the less remands and more decisions would be a lot better for the veteran community anyways. But I'm sure they want to show the regional office, you know, if they made a mistake or something like that, let them fix it, give them the opportunity to. But a lot of regional offices, you know, they, they don't think they make mistakes, so they... They keep, you know, it, it goes back and forth. BVA back to regional office. BVA back to regional yep. office. It's like they're playing catch as a claim, and it's just like Gerald's claim. Gerald's go back and forth to the appeals management center for how many times now, Gerald? AMC. I don't know. I think about five times, John, and they remand it back each time for further development. Well, now they're take, uh, taking a knee, right? <laughs> 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 I don't know what to do now. <laughs> no, I've lost track. <laughs> but it seems to me that further development story can only go so far, and and that stretch mm-hmm. that band pretty tight. Yeah. Yeah. Well, remands are not a denial, which is a positive. But on the other hand, you're That's right, John. If they can, you know, if they can grant it without a remand, that that's obviously going to make the veteran happy, uh, the board happy, and probably make the VA regional office happy too, because then it's off of their plate. Uh, but uh, That's right. uh, a lot of a lot of times, you just you have regional offices; uh, they have no choice but to remand it to the regional office where they didn't do a compensation exam, or they didn't properly do the compensation exam, or wasn't properly reconciled, um, or uh, there's just so a duty to assist, they, maybe they didn't follow up on that. Uh, maybe the veteran advised the VA of, of medical records to get, and the VA didn't get that. I mean, there, there's mm-hmm. so many things that could happen that causes a remand. So the board, sometimes they don't have any choice but to uh, do a remand. But, but you're right, there there have been decisions where I'm like, you should have just granted this. You know, <laughs> Why are you wasting everyone's time here? So... So anyway, yeah, I, I we'll see how the whole ramp thing plays out. I, I think it's I think it's a, a, a shiny new thing that the, that the VA uh, the VA came up with, and 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 I think everyone's excited about it and happy about it. But uh, again, and I stand by my word, um, the, the horrendous backlog that was with the Board of Veterans Appeals is, is coming down. But it's like robbing Peter to pay Paul. Um, it, it, it's going to create a larger glut with the ramp appeals. Um, yeah. Now, the initial ramp appeals for people out there listening, the, the initial ramp appeals, they're turning around those pretty quick. They have 125 days. That's their goal to turn them around, which is pretty good compared to three or four years. The problem, though, is when you get a decision within that 125 days, if it isn't favorable uh, and, and guys like me pick it apart, we can appeal it 
again to a higher level or we can appeal it back to what's called a supplemental level of new material evidence or if we see an error that was made, we can appeal it back into a supplemental ramp review. So it goes back and forth. And, and what you're going to get is that second and third and fourth round of ramps. That's going to end up being months and months and probably into years before decisions are made unless these regional office ramp regional offices start making the decisions correctly. And again, deny, if you're going to deny me, if you're going to deny my client, do it right. Don't do not do it incorrectly and, and, and make me want to appeal it, because I will. And so will most attorneys and agents. Yeah. That's true. That is true. No, but it's... How long have you been doing this now, Joe? How many years have you been in claims agent now? Uh, I got accredited as an accredited appeals agent approximately June of 2012 or thereabouts. Mm -hmm. Um, Prior to that, I got in the business in 1992 uh, as a senior level vet service officer here in Minneapolis-St. Paul. I did that for 20 years and then for the past six or seven years, I got accredited with the Office of General Counsel to be an appeals agent. And so um, right. I work right out of my home here in Minnesota. Um, I've got all the uh, technology I need to, to handle it, and and it works great. I represent uh, veterans all over the world, um, right. continental, 48 U.S. states, uh, Alaska, Hawaii, uh, Middle East, Africa, uh Puerto Rico, Pakistan. <laughs> They're all over. Yeah, I've got a couple in the Philippines. <clears throat> yeah. Yep. We had some good. We had some good friends on had it in the Philippines. A couple of guys were military and they just retired and went there because they knew they could live good. And they say, "Well, that live in the Philippines and live like a king." You know what I mean? You live like a king, a um, and you also you also marry one of the locals there that's half your age, and and you're happy, you know. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it all works out. It all works out. I mean, it's uh, you know, yeah, if you're 100, percent you're on a pretty good check. You know, that's a you know, that's yeah. a, that's big money in the Philippines. Yep. Yep. But I take I take cases at at all different levels. I've taken cases from the very beginning that veterans who have never filed a claim before didn't know they could file a claim, uh, all the way uh, up to claims and just jumping right in the middle of something that's embedded into appeals. Whether it maybe maybe it's already been to the Board of Veterans Appeals and back, but you know I, I jump into all of them. So there isn't any case that I I won't take a look at. But yeah, John, I think maybe you should get into this game. I think you should. I'm thinking about it. Part time. Well, get applied. Yeah. Go to the OGC mm-hmm. website. At least get the application in. You pass that yeah. test, and you're, then you're set. I guess I go. You have to go to the regional state test, right? Yep. Yep. Each regional yep. office has a has a location, and they test you on everything. I mean, they, they test you on. Mm-hmm. Compensation, disability, be a medical center, education, uh, life insurance—all mm-hmm. the all the benefits that uh, veterans are entitled to. They they tell you what you need to study, the manuals and stuff like that. So, um, right. I've 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 heard decision review officers couldn't pass that test, and so um, I don't I didn't find it to be too terribly difficult. Of course, I've been doing it a long time, Is it so I, I better be. Or what? Yeah. Multiple choice or what? Yep, okay. yep, multiple choice. Mm-hmm. I, I think you have to score take 75 you? or better. Yeah. It took me about 15, about 20 minutes you, to take. When you got your, how long take your accreditation when they give you access to BB and things like that? How long it take you? It's a slow process. Um, I, I filed initially at the application in the fall of that particular year. Hadn't heard back. Uh, called them in February. I said, what's up? And they said, oh, you forgot or something. There was some sort of excuse. They they should have got on it sooner, but they didn't. 
and when they finally realized they needed to get on it sooner, they did. Uh, within a week, okay. I got the letter to, to go take my test. Uh, took the test. They sent it to D.C. They graded it, came back and said, you pass, and, and you're officially an accredited appeals agent. And so yeah. you, have to, you have to keep up with certified education units every year. And mm-hmm. that first year, you have to, you have to take a test. Uh, or it's an online test you take. And then every two years after that, you have to take another test. It's pretty informal. A lot of guys go to classes and conventions, and I assume they had a big play, had a big thing in Vegas last year. Yeah, even the BVA judges went, and I know Alex went, and uh, it's pretty cool. Now, do you have your own va.gov uh, email address? Uh you know I do. Um, actually, I'm a, mm-hmm. I'm entitled to or licensed to uh, get into VBMS, which is a Veterans Benefits Management System. And so, right. so technically, I, I have a federal ID card, and uh, I have a .gov mm-hmm. email address. I never use it, though. Um, I, mm-hmm. I have no reason to use it. I, I have my own personal email address, business email address that I use that, that's on my card. Right. Yeah, technically, I've got a federal ID card because mm-hmm. I have access to VBMS, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I just plug it right into my, my laptop at home and it allows me access to any VA claims file where I hold uh, uh, power of attorney for. Good deal. I know I've seen uh, kind of shocked me a little bit there that uh, I got, I realized that, you know, people probably going to a C&P exam, you know, make sure that the C&P examiner has your file. I got to realize the C&P examiner's got access to VBMS. They got your file. <laughs> they do. You know that? Yeah. Yeah, they do. They do, and and uh, um, it's their job to be able to review that VA claims file. Um, yeah. I've always told my clients that if you have key pieces of evidence, take them with you. Uh, a lot of these examiners yeah. will be willing to take it, even though the letter says don't bring any medical records with you. I always tell them to do it anyway and just politely ask. Mm-hmm. Um, tell the C&P examiner, I, I've got a file about five inches thick. It's going to take you forever to go through it. If you'd like me to help you out a little bit, I've got about 20 pages here that will cut to the you-know-what. And every time the compensation examiner is appreciative of that. Yeah. Well, my first C&P exam was a marathon, and I had, uh, we had the old paper files. And oh, God. Uh, yeah, I've been and through that. I went, up, I went up holding the file with her, and she went through it. And, uh, you know, and it substantiated everything everything I've claimed. And, yep. Uh, you know, Louisville been denied me for years, and uh, so I still got to go back and get some stuff out of them. But uh, you know, I'm protected now, so I might go ahead and sneak back and get here in the next couple months. Mm-hmm. But they owe, they owe me they owe me about eighty grand. I think I think it's time to go ahead and get it. Oh yeah, go for it. <clears throat> go for yeah, it. So. But yeah, you're right. In the day you go into those compensation exams, it was all papers. You know, and they'd have a big brown Manila folder on their file and yeah. number of inches thick and and uh uh you know if, if if those records get lost destroyed burned up or accidentally misplaced you're kind of sol unless you have a copy of the records mm-hmm. yourself so but it's all digital now <laughs> would, uh, it's all online it's kind of funny though i'd filed a claim for asbestos and they kept denying it and i went to that exam and they had the original service medical record in there guess what's stamped on the outside of the service medical record uh, asbestos. asbestos awareness program. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the awareness oh, we're program. down to one. We're down to one minute here. Uh, okay. uh, John, you want to give us uh, your contact information? Yep, my telephone number is uh, uh, area code six five one, Minnesota area code area code six five one. Three zero three three zero six two six five one three zero three three zero six two. Better is probably to even email me, and that's benefitsagent at comcast dot net. Benefits b e n e f i t s agent a g e n t at comcast dot net. Well, you was able to get it all in. 
that's good. Guys, it's a pleasure as usual. Um, happy to talk to you, and, and if anyone wants to give me a call, feel free or, or shoot me an email. Okay. Well, thanks for coming on, John. Thank and you. Our, you guys have a good night. You too. And our clock just run out. All right, guys. Bye-bye. Bye. That was a good show. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. All right, we'll shut her down, man. We'll talk to you later. Be careful. You've been listening to the Hadit.com blog talk radio show, sponsored by Hadit.com. All opinions expressed here are the opinions of the individuals appearing on the show and are not the opinions of Hadit.com or blog talk radio. Tune in next time for another edition of Hadit.com blog talk radio and the Ask Bastard Show. <laughs>